I think it's time to make business easier in Europe. But European companies also need access to key technologies to innovate, develop and manufacture. And this is a question of European sovereignty, as the leaders underlined in Versailles. It is an economic and national security imperative to preserve a European edge on critical and emerging technologies. This European industrial policy also requires common European funding. Von der Leyen's State of the Union speech calls for member states to advance efforts in emerging technologies and invest in everything from microelectronics to quantum computing and AI. But is Europe ambitious and prepared enough to bring forward von der Leyen's agenda? Welcome to the EPC podcast, where we delve deeper into your affairs and connect the dots between politics, policies and people. My name is Barbara Vanotti and I'm the media officer at the European Policy Center. Ursula von der Leyen's State of the Union speech, delivered last 13 September, urges the EU to answer the call of history by responding to challenges posed by the current geopolitical landscape and global tempest. Yet when it comes to the EU's tech and digital agenda, the speech left many wondering about Europe's ambitions for the future decade. While von der Leyen focused on the AI, online rights and the Digital Markets Act and the Digital Services Act, other important developments were barely considered. Among these, quantum was only mentioned in passing. Quantum computing is a rapidly developing field in Europe and beyond. However, progress in quantum technology also means that Europe must already prepare for a future where quantum computers will become commercially available, including to cyber attackers. In a fastly evolving tech world, the time for decision making needs to happen now, and policymakers must already consider the effects such developments can have on our economy and security. Is the EU ready to preserve an edge on critical and emerging technologies? Will member states be able to protect themselves from the advancement of quantum computing? And how can the EU fulfill the post-quantum encryption transition? To answer these questions, I sat down with EPC lead digital analyst Andrea Garcia-Rodriguez and Quantum Delta Netherlands executive board member and director Jesse Roberts who is also the national lead of quantum network activities in the Netherlands and on behalf of the Netherlands. Thank you very much for joining me. What was your reaction to von der Leyen's speech and in particular relation to the advancements of Europe in technologies and quantum? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that question. I think it's crucial that's mentioned in the agenda of the European Commission. I think uh, the immersive technology where quantum is part of it is crucial to drive further and especially in this domain, uh, quantum technology we are leading in a couple of these developments, especially around computing and quantum network at the moment. And given the fact that we have laws, for instance, around the developments around cloud and AI, where other continents at the moment are leading, I think it's important that it is mentioned because it creates the priority, the possibilities to drive this technology further. It's important not only for the development of the technology, it's important also for the digital infrastructure as we have it today, secure it, uh, make it ready for the longer term for the future, but also it is a key for economic growth, uh, which is important for us in Europe at the moment. Uh, yes, indeed. Like I couldn't agree more with uh, with Jesse. The role that emerging technologies have for Europe's future, I think that history has shown that we cannot 
uh, lag behind uh, when it comes to technological development and technologies like uh, quantum technologies, which are like many of them, not only computing. I think they're like a test case for, for, Europe, for European leadership in the near future. So how can Europe answer the call of history when it comes to quantum? Well, I believe that there's like certain things playing in, in this question. So first of all, it's a, it's a matter of like creating the right ecosystem. It's a matter of having a certain degree of control over supply chains to avoid like uh, shocks in the future. And it's all about being able to develop the right instruments and being able to incorporate them and to use them basically on time. I think that uh, the work that I'm doing in the APC is mostly related to digital and tech. So for me, it's only natural to speak about cyber around this. But if we use uh, cybersecurity as an example, we can definitely see that uh, perhaps like the European Union is not leading in this. And that's certainly something that is going to impact Europe's economic, but also national security, not only in the long term, but also in the very near future. EU27 is, is really playing on champions league level if it comes to quantum computing uh, we are really leading in a couple of developments there and there are really close cooperations also with north america in this domain especially if you're looking also to quantum communication quantum internet technology we are leading even these developments globally if you go into conferences on technical side but also on the applicable side of quantum networking there is always one or more references to europe and mainly to what's happening at the moment in the netherlands I think this is a unique position that we can build on and what we can accelerate. And if we want to accelerate these developments, the partnerships are crucial to drive this and, and then sort of set the history because we could stay by partnership, by cooperation between the member states in EU27, build that cluster and drive the technology to the next level. In, instead of that, we are starting competing with each other. And I think we need to, to strengthen our force at the moment. And again, it's not just the technology to protect this. We're talking most of the time about the risk of a quantum computer will crack our encryption algorithms, but it's also really a possibility for economical growth, for industry, for new jobs, and, and as I said earlier, um, make our digital infrastructure uh, future-proof, which is required for many domains uh, in the industry, from smart housing, smart industry, health, governmental, et cetera, et cetera. This technology could help us uh, for the longer term to position and to create economical growth. Thank you for your answer. That point about cooperation and the need for partnership is a point that we will come back later as well to later in in the podcast. But actually, I want to go back to something that you just mentioned yesterday about how the development of this quantum technology and quantum computing can be also a risk to our security. And with this, I want to relate to a paper recently published in July by the EPC and written by, by you, Andrea, in which you explain that the rapid development of those computers is also bringing a new set of threats to everything that is happening online. So how does the advent of quantum computing challenge the notion of security in Europe? Well, thank you very much for this question, Barbara. I think that, uh, first of all, when we tend to consider emerging cybersecurity challenges, we rarely include uh, quantum challenges as part of the of the list, which to me it's uh, one of the big examples of what uh, we should not be doing precisely because uh, we can already feel the effects of it. So in the paper that that we published, uh, we were like trying to explain how this technological development and and specifically like the technological development when it comes to quantum computing was already impacting what in cyber we call the threat landscape, which are like precisely what are the challenges to nowadays cyber, cyber resilience. 
and uh, one of the things that we that we found out, or one of the things that that uh, that was like mostly repeated, because uh, it's important to mention that this paper was the the product of a research process in which we had a, a roundtable uh, with uh, with different actors who are like very knowledgeable of the topic as well. Is that nowadays, because we don't know when, but we know that this uh, technology will arrive. There's malicious malicious cyber actors downloading encrypted information that they cannot read. Uh, now, but they will certainly be able to read it in a very immediate future. These are the type of attacks that we call harvest attacks or download now and decrypt later attacks. And this is just only one example of, of why uh, we should take these types of challenges and risks more into consideration. Jesse before mentioned breaking encryption. That's like one of the most urgent challenges, but simply because encryption is what protects absolutely everything happening online nowadays, from web searches to um, messages that we send to like even how we make uh, secret documents being secret. And that's uh, something that if um, if we continue um, in this path of development, research suggests that we'll be like under threat in as soon as in seven years. And, and chances are we're definitely going to see an impact much before. So that's probably why uh, we decided to team up with Quantum Delta and develop this work stream of work because it's uh, something that, as I mentioned, it's not going to affect Europe, but also the whole of the world. And it's going to have an effect on, on obviously, the economic, the economy of the EU is going to have an effect on sovereignty, is going to have an effect on national security. So it's a very serious challenge. It is changing already. I think there is a, a strategy by many countries to push the developments of post quantum crypto to protect the existing data streams at the moment. There is a big push also to develop next level quantum network technology to protect more on a full stack level in the telecom networks, the exchange of data with, uh, for instance, the quantum key distribution technology. I think it looks like there is a long time before the quantum computer is there. Uh, there's a prediction around 2030 or longer, uh, but the risk is that technology is moving faster than we see in public, that there is a possibility that there will be a quantum computer that is only there for a single purpose there, and that it is just a single purpose of breaking just an encryption algorithm and if that's happen and it could be sooner than we expect then we have a real challenge and, and we need to prepare for this on on the short term already and that's the reason that we need to work really close together to drive the developments around post quantum crypto but also look further that only do this on a data layer then still you have the possibility to store it uh, forward it and encrypt later because still post quantum crypto could have challenges on the longer term and therefore, we need to look further also, how can we protect the full stack on fiber infrastructure, on digital infrastructure with the upcoming technology that are going there? Because there is a serious risk and it could be uh, that it still takes time that it will be there, but it could also be sooner than we think. If it's sooner than we think, as you, as you just said, does the EU feel that urgency? And if not, why doesn't the EU feel that urgency to act now? So if I may enter in here, I think there's like several issues happening here. But first of all, there are member states that already see this issue as an important issue and therefore have created plans where they're debating on what to do. So I think that when we speak about the EU, there are like many layers to it. When we speak about EU cybersecurity, there are many layers to it. And while it's true that at the EU level, there has been little not to say like uh, like very close to zero action in this regard, at the member state level, we find uh, examples. So uh, for instance, I know that in the Netherlands, this is an important topic. Uh, we know that all the member states such as Germany are actively trying to advance their post-quantum agenda. Yet what we feel is that 
we need a little bit more of EU coordination. And one of the reasons is, is that the EU has like a lot of member states. Some of them are bigger and have more resources. Some of them have are much smaller and have less resources. And, and when it comes to tackling emergency cybersecurity challenges, like capacity is an important, it's a very, very important issue. Therefore, um, that's one of the things that we were advocating on in this in this paper. And um, also because uh, uh, we believe that cooperation must, it's uh, it's important, but also because it's a good way to also exchange good practices and, and things that are working, things that are not working, and overall like try to push the whole like cyber post-quantum cybersecurity agenda a little bit further. And at the end of the day, we are already late for many things, but we can still avoid like further damage. Yeah, I agree, Andrea. I think there is a lot of things going on. Um, there's a different focus from the different member states in EU27 at the moment. I think some, they have their own agendas and, and have different approaches. It could be that the member states is looking from, we need to protect everything. It could be, a, we need to do something, it, but then the drive is more economical. And then uh, there are member states that say, hmm, this is strategically important for us, so we need to play a role there as a country and, and uh, conquer others in Europe. And I think that's where the coordination comes in at the moment. I think this is so relevant for Europe overall that we need to have a joint agenda, that we have to build a joint roadmap, that we need to bring the developments around quantum technology and the cybersecurity act activities together. Even also in the quantum domain, you see that there are quantum activities going on in your HPC, there are quantum activities going on in your QCI, there is a superconductivity discussion going on in Europe. There is not to forget the chipset developments where also quantum is a topic in. Then there is a post-quantum crypto development going on. And, and already this happening on only EU level at the moment. And that needs to be synchronized at the moment also with the member states. In, in the bad situation, you need also to synchronize with different parts of a member state that also concur with each other. And I think it's now crucial uh, from many perspectives from the cybersecurity level to keep the strategic position that we have of quantum and could lead this also from a European perspective and not just from a member state perspective, but also from the potential and economical impact that we take leadership here and that there is leadership shown from the European commissions and that there is a, a sort of leadership also from a couple of countries that are strong in this and are able to invest in it and, and take the lead jointly with others, but also not to forget also to connect with not that strong member states in Europe so that we can help them and support them and drive them further. And there is only one really crucial instrument uh, that is able to do this. This is the European Commission. Uh, and, and therefore, we need to step over our shadows to move on, to participate in, to contribute it, and to make the next step in this domain. You've mentioned the topic of leadership and how having a cybersecurity, quantum cybersecurity agenda would increase our leadership as well in this uh, sector. Do you think the EU at the moment is aware of the long-term geopolitical impact that quantum in general can have, but also a cybersecurity agenda can have? And what is this long-term impact? Well, I think that when we speak about the creation of a post-quantum cybersecurity agenda, there is like a couple of things that we're, we're like trying to advocate on. On the one hand, it's something that upgrades the current regulatory framework, but also like the instruments that we have. Um, the EU has been over the past like 15 years have created a very comprehensive cybersecurity framework that certainly has helped a lot to improve the level of resilience. So in that sense, uh, even though, of course, the EU is not at all, uh, you know, completely safe from cyber from cyber threats, at least uh, it has proven to to enhance coordination uh, at many different levels, like not only between member states and, 
in at the EU level, but also like between the private sector and and the public sector, which I think is crucial in here. But what it's more important as well in that thing is that it has also helped create a cybersecurity ecosystem in Europe. And I think that when we speak about a quantum cybersecurity agenda, uh, we're precisely uh, trying to open up on on these two questions. Like one, how can we like use what we have and make it better for the challenges that are like lying ahead of us? And two, how can we do it in a way that it also helps uh, push and create a quantum ecosystem in the EU? Uh, I think that Jesse will be able to speak a little bit more about it. But for example, it's true that we have been speaking about post-quantum encryption, which uh, to me, it's the, the first thing that we should do, find out where we are vulnerable and how, how can we be less vulnerable using uh, these uh, algorithms that at the end of the day, they're like mathematical based and they're the basis of online security nowadays. But there's also other solutions uh, that are starting to pop up, such as uh, uh, quantum key distribution, that, that certainly there is like an, uh, a great economic uh, value in it. So uh, why not have a broader discussion about this and just like think about this, like not only as, a, as an opportunity to further protect and secure, but also to advance and, and to create like an ecosystem that can be a global leader. Yes, I precisely wanted to get to that point of what the EU is already doing and what are the potential solutions that are already there. And as you mentioned, Andrea, there is the quantum key distribution and post-quantum cryptography. Quantum key distribution, as you mentioned, offers two parties the ability to establish secure communications based on quantum physics, while post-quantum cryptography comprises of cryptographic algorithms that are believed to be quantum resistant. So yes, so what is the US approach towards these solutions? So, so there, the two technologies are out there, and I think they are uh, at the moment at the same level of maturity, although there is always a large debate about it. With post-quantum crypto, we can really protect the data on the existing infrastructure that is out there. But, but still, uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's still the possibility that data that is protected with post-quantum crypto is able to be uh, tapped and stored and maybe on the longer term could be uh, decrypted again. If you look into the, the QKD technology out there, that is protecting the full model of a connection from the fiber infrastructure until the application layer, until the data layer. And there are starts because then you're protecting fully the exchange of data at the moment. And if someone tries to tap uh, the qubit uh, delivered from one to another side or even to different sites, will be unstable and never will reach its end. So data could not be stored uh, for other purposes at the moment. And that gives opportunities. But also both technologies are there. They have sometimes a different purpose because still, if you are working only on a software layer, like an, uh, a debit or a credit card, you need to do something with software layers and only post-contact crypto at the moment can do something with this technology. But if you're in a secure environment and if you have fiber connections or you have connections by fiber, satellite or free space, uh, then QKD could help you to protect the full chain that is out there. And both technologies are available for different settings, but also can support each other. Uh, you can still, with QKD also, uh, protect the key exchange of a post-quantum crypto exchange between two different locations. And both are really crucial at the moment to drive a couple of things further. So both technologies are there. As I said earlier, they're in the same level of maturity in, in, in different opinions. Of course, you can have a large debate about it, but more and more, uh, the ecosystem understands that hybrid models are really crucial to have a real full protection there. 
And that's also the reason that in the security agenda, post quantum crypto is an, a really important topic at the moment. And in the quantum domain, QQT technology, also pushed by the European Commission, is really crucial to drive further, uh, to check what's required there and to develop what's required there, but also uh, create the urgency and get experience on how to implement in the current networks, but also in the future network. So if I can jump in here, I, I think that I would disagree. I mean, he said there's like different opinions about which uh, technology is more ready. I mean, what it's it's true is that the end of the day, post-quantum cryptography is, uh, I mean, as well as, as we are uh, seeing that mathematically uh, quantum computers will be able to crack current encryption systems, it's true that they would be, they could potentially be able to crack post-quantum encryption. That That's one of the wonders of, of uh, speaking about emerging technologies, that is that you cannot really uh, take the quantum computer right now and try to and test it in a real scenario because so far, like everything we're having is like theoretical. But for me, for instance, like a post-quantum encryption, it, it's something that could work more in, on the short term. As, as he mentioned before, we can run it in our existing like hardware systems, which is great for many reasons. And one of them, let's be honest, is the economics of it. So we don't have to spend a lot of money to make things ready but also uh, because we know how encryption works and we know what can we expect from it. It's uh, it's something that it's interesting. But he also mentioned QKV and, and I think there's like, there's like real value in, in using this technology, but of course there's like plenty of, of technological challenges that we still need to fix, right? Like one of them, like the use of quantum nodes, which is a great area of research and it's amazing how this is advancing as well. So I think there is a lot of opportunities here. But Barbara, you mentioned before leadership and I think that that while it's true that we haven't found the right recipe in Europe, there is like some uh, flagship projects that uh, they're like pretty promising. And I think that Jesse, I can see him nodding at the other side of the screen. So I think he will be able to say more about it. And one of them is like the EuroQCI. I'm critical in my paper with the EuroQCI saying that because we have thought of this uh, of, as the flagship project in the EU, we may have neglected some other areas and to me the big neglected has been like pqc post quantum cryptography but i think that uh right now when you speak about like regulation policies we're going in that direction it's not necessarily a bad thing but i think that still we need to be able to look a little bit more broader because when we speak about challenges it doesn't necessarily come from one from one place but to me uh this is like a very interesting uh thing and and maybe jesse you can speak a little bit more because i can see you uh, that you really want to jump in <laughs> and i think this is something for you so the floor is yours if you allow barbara no i, I totally agree uh, i need to learn the word sandbox in this context we use uh, quite often the word proof concept of test beds at the moment i think test beds is now uh, a popular development at the moment in the quantum domain the governmental test bed that we have uh, now in the uqci is just a sort of example of a sandbox in the eindhoven area we're building a sort of a technology agnostic test bed for QPD technology where we can test the different QPD technologies that are out there the different vendors the different suppliers and the different setups there but also able to translate this technology agnostic test bed into industries that don't have a feeling with quantum technology so what does it mean at the moment for the exchange of patient data uh, from a hospital to another hospital or what does it mean if you have a smart house with the data that could be out there or how can you connect a quantum network uh, QPD technology into a base station of a mobile network that is connected to a self-driving car? That's at the moment, the cases where we're working on at the moment, the cases that could bring uh, new possibilities, but also create the understanding of the, the possibilities, but also not to forget the limitations there. And I think that's crucial in the states where we are uh, at the moment. 
and not only per member state, but also in partnership, we need to do this between member states and on the European level. And, and not forget at the moment also with like-minded countries, because also the internet is running because there is a really good cooperation between the different countries, despite of political changes and uh, pandemics. That's also what we need to implement in, in, in the quantum ecosystem. It's important really to work close together, to work on different standardizations, to exchange information so that we can accelerate this technology in partnership. Thank you for, for that explanation of the your QCI project. And of course, from what I understand and what you have been telling me as well, as you said, cooperation is fundamental for everything, for all of this to go forward. And um, in your paper, Andrea, you mentioned uh, the need for a more coordinated EU approach to cybersecurity uh, in the field of quantum. So how would um, a more coordinated approach, as mentioned in your paper, look like? And also, what are, and this is something we've already touched on, but what are the practical threats of some member states moving on their own instead of continuing with this coordinated approach? Well, thank you very much, Barbara. True, like in the paper that we published at the EPC, we were like trying to gather these recommendations on two levels, if I may. So one was on the technical level and another one at the political level. So uh, more on the technical level, one of the things that we were that we were like strongly advocating of is like uh, using what we have. We have a European Union Agency for Cybersecurity, ENISA, that has working groups that have worked uh, really good in the past. Why not set one precisely on on post-quantum encryption or or in like the quantum transition if we want to open up to something else that is like post-quantum encryption? Uh, we think that this could be a very interesting tool to first of all like make every state. I realize that this is uh, something happening that that uh, would need for like further action on the one hand. Second, to facilitate, as I mentioned before, like good practices, what's working, what's not working, where the things that that you uh, have like uh, spotted that perhaps could be useful for another member state uh, to to also encourage smaller member states or those who may think about quantum as a research and development issue, which is like I think. Uh, a big, uh, big, big topic, right? Like, um, like changing the perspective and changing the mindset. It's something that definitely is going to take more than than one paper and, and a conversation um, here. But we think that, uh, for example, like facilitating this uh, type of exchanges using existing structures, which I think it's it's very important, could be one of them. Also at the technical level, uh, Jesse said it before, like it requires a lot of like uh, cooperation and coordination. And we think that facilitating, like having the EU facilitate these exchanges at the technical level could really help in addressing research gaps. So um, I mentioned before uh, the use of, of quantum nodes, for instance, as one of the urgent things for, for QKD to be viable. But, uh, but there are like many other things, such as how do we prevent DDoS attacks if uh, we deploy a network using quantum key distribution? So there is like plenty of things that like facilitating like technical coordination could solve or at least could help come up with like some solutions, if not to solve, to mitigate. The second part of the recommendations was political coordination. And uh, maybe um, here it's it's important to, to say that we advocated for a couple of, of very important things. The first one, uh, the flagship priority of this paper was the, the establishment of an EU coordinated action plan in the quantum transition. There is like, plenty of reasons for this. The number one, it's not a regulatory instrument, meaning you can create it and you can have it out rather, quote unquote, fast. Uh, the second one, it's not you're not forcing uh, member states to, to, to actually work by it, but you're giving, it, giving them a roadmap to, to what you could do. 
And as we have seen in, in other EU coordinated action plans, such as for, the, for example, the one on AI, this has like caught the attention of member states. And as of now, it has like helped them create, for instance, in the case of AI, like AI strategy. Um, it has helped uh, monitor progress in this. And we think that these uh, topics could be certainly beneficial for the quantum transition. There's like other recommendations as well, such as uh, one that I think that Jesse would uh, like especially likes, which is like exploring the use of sandboxes to accelerate uh, near-term applications. And I think that uh, all those things could like help uh, advance the level of readiness that we have towards a new set of, of challenges. If you want to elaborate a little bit on in the sandboxes as well, it would be very interesting. So a sandbox at the end of the day is a, an environment where you can test. Um, for example, if we go to the US, which was also a part of, of, of this paper, because uh, there was like a small uh, section in which I was trying to compare from a regulatory perspective, what was going on here in the EU and what was what was going on there. There was like something that really caught my eye, which is the proposal to have a sandbox for near-term applications. And certainly when we're having these discussions and these reflections about what do we do with, with the challenges coming up with uh, from quantum computing, which instruments do we use? Uh, at the end of the day, the conclusion is the same. There is like a lot of promising things, yet we're not there yet. So uh, just trying to create this uh, environments where you can just like real, really test these new solutions can really help accelerate the readiness of these solutions. Therefore, like you're making them commercially available much easier at the same time, like helping in, improve the, the adoption of these solutions. So you're having also a positive impact on, on cyber securities. I agree. What I see at the moment uh, and, and learning from the US at the moment, I think they have a real clear governmental roadmap how to work with new technologies and how to implement this. There, there's a clear uh, overall strategy to implement and, and there's a sort of strict even demand to implement in a couple of years from now post-quantum crypto. Uh, and that's a real push from the government. But also not to forget the massive investments that the government is doing by different uh, methods like the DARPA developments there. But also not to forget what's happening in the, the industry and venture capital. Tech industries in the US are really eager to invest in quantum technology and others. And that's what we really can learn in Europe at the moment. So you mentioned like-minded countries, and I think you, Andrea, mentioned the US as well. So I'll move across the Atlantic for my next question. And it seems that the US, and it seems from your paper as well, Andrea, that the US has is positioned ahead when it comes to finding a cybersecurity agenda that considers quantum as well, with the Quantum Cybersecurity Preparedness Act, but also the National Cybersecurity Strategy. So I wanted to ask you, what can you learn from the US examples. And as well, we mentioned with like-minded countries, so it doesn't have to be just the US, but also those countries as well. Well, first of all, the US is not the only country here, <laughs> but it's true that when it comes to, to comparing with, uh, there is real value, I think, in comparing the EU to the US, especially in this topic. I mean, if we go a little bit like further, there are conversations about um, post-quantum encryption uh, happening right now like that's one of the things or one of the outcomes of the of the last uh, trade and technology council for instance so uh, that's one of the reasons why um, comparing uh, the eu to the us uh, makes sense you mentioned the quantum cybersecurity preparedness act but also the national cybersecurity strategy and i think that the first thing that really caught my eye and it's that in the us the transition to quantum safe systems is uh, seen as a strategic objective. And I think that we haven't, uh, we haven't reached that mindset yet. As I mentioned before, like sometimes that there's like different member states think about quantum in a different way, think about these challenges in a different way, but at the best is something that we need to solve right now. At the worst, 
is a research question that can create value, but it's extremely like far away from, from us right now. By elevating the quantum transition as a strategic objective, what the U.S. is doing is saying, hey, not only this is important, this is urgent. And therefore, I'm going to put financing, investments, I'm going to mobilize my instruments, I'm going to create policies around it, I'm going to create roadmaps, I'm going to make, to mobilize resources to tackle this and to go in that direction. And, um, and that is uh, the reason why the comparison came, came so natural. A bit of a more controversial question, but do you think then if the US is positioned so ahead, is it too late for Europe to lead the post-quantum encryption transition? Well, to me, it's, it's no longer a matter of leadership of like who gets there first, like it's a matter of security. So it's not that we can uh, say, okay, we're not going to do anything and then we're going to wait for someone to develop the solutions and then we're going to buy those solutions and let's see what happens. Speed is a very important factor here. And speed, not considering like who gets uh, to the, that objective first, but rather like the more it will take you to transition to quantum safe systems, the more you're potentially losing information and the more damage you're going to have to repair in the future. That's something uh, Michele Mosca, he's like a very well-known person in this field. And then he created this equation that gave you the answer of when did you actually have to start a transition into quantum safe systems in order to prevent the most damage. And, and I don't remember exactly when was it, but what I know, it, it, we are very running a negative time. So uh, that's uh, so to me is like right now it's not it's not a question of leadership it's a question of urgency. Yeah, th there is urgency. There is indeed not a question who is first at the moment. We need to accelerate. We need to drive it further. We are well positioned to take that role. I think it's good that Van der Leyen just mentioned it, but it's also now to get our act together and make the next steps jointly in Europe and on behalf of Europe. I would like to actually end with a quote from a speech of Commissioner Thierry Breton at the Tallinn Digital Summit at the beginning of September. He said that he's working on a strategy that would make Europe the world quantum valley. What two or three next steps Europe needs to take to become this quantum valley dreamed by Breton? I think uh, it's important to build up as soon as possible an, an, an roadmap, a joint roadmap in Europe to make the next steps in the domain of quantum, but also linked to the cybersecurity developments there. I think it would be crucial that a couple of countries that are already well positioned in this domain will take the lead and support other member states in Europe. And we need to foster that there is enough funding available from distant sources to drive the developments further. Because it's a matter, of course, from a governmental perspective, it's a matter at the moment from the academic world. But in the end, it also needs to translate to solutions on a commercial base that will help us further on the longer term. And, and these combinations are crucial to make the next steps and to stay ahead and to be prepared. And just to, to build on what Jesse said, if you want a quantum value, you also need to, to think about what's happening right now. It, I mean, it's obviously uh, very crucial to make like all these this comments uh, and then like you need to mobilize resources, mobilize investment, uh, coordinate, create a roadmap, but also you need to tackle what, what do you have closer to you. So when we were speaking today about like cybersecurity, that's only one example, but there was other topics that we just barely mentioned that they'd also like play an important role here. How about the talent gap? You need the workforce, you need people to be able to create and to work on quantum in Europe. Um, you have um, a lot of like questions about knowledge security. You have a lot of questions about plenty of other things. So, so it's, uh, it's great that there is political initiative, but uh, we need that political initiative to be transformed into something that is perceptible. Thank you, Andrea and Jesse. We at the European Policy Centre will continue to explore the potential of quantum technology and its impact on cybersecurity. 
If you're interested in knowing more about our work, including our papers cited in this episode, please go to epc.eu. Tune in next time. Until then, over and out.